All right, cool. All right, we are uh, live. Yeah. We are live on the Cymatic Show with Henry Fong. How's it going, man? What's up, dudes? Uh, nothing much, man. Hammer, dude. We we have enough energy now, but I have this weird feeling by like number four tonight. I'm just gonna be like dead. We're doing Luca Lush tonight at like eight thirty. It's like the fifth podcast of the night. I'm gonna be like, and you're already having a couple Coronas. Oh, I know. Couple, uh, what's I'm, trying, I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to make it through the day. This is how I'm through. As the episodes come out, we're like more and more sauced. That's kind of funny. So, uh, yeah, man, I don't know, the, the reason I like this format is it's so, like, laid back and, like, laxed, you know what I'm saying? It's not so, like, cut and dry or worrying about what shit matters. Yeah, you didn't get, you, you didn't just, like, pull up with some production question right off the bat, you know? <laughs> no. I mean, yeah. I think that's, like, the last thing, yeah. you know? Uh, but, yo, you want to, I guess, first get started, uh, I guess, talk a little bit about not getting into production, per se, but some of the shit you're into, dude, because I feel like looking off your, in- I mean, dude, <laughs> even your dreads, but, like, <laughs> off your Instagram, I think it's very interesting how it's just not just the production shit. I see you, like, jumping off, oh, you jumped off a cliff. Surfing. You're way into surfing. I yeah, think. yeah. I'm, like, hardcore surfer. Like, I've been surfing since high school, but, like, I think my thing is I just trying to be me, and for a little bit, if you... Uh, for a couple years, I was just like trying to fit the mold of like this typical, you know, DJ scenario. Mm-hmm. Just try to look like a DJ, and then a couple years ago, I had the realization that I needed to kind of just show more about what I would normally do on a day-to-day basis because that's me, and that's what yeah. makes me unique, I guess. But yeah, man, I'm I'm a surfer. I do jujitsu. I'm like an avid fisherman. I've been fishing like my entire life, so that's kind of like big thing. And uh, what else? Yeah, pretty much extreme sports in general. I enjoy. What's the Did you skateboard too? I, I like skateboarding, but I'm not good. Okay. <laughs> What's the yeah, uh, surfing? It looks fucking tough, man. Yeah. I've never tried it, dude. It's I, I would compare it to music production. It's just one of those things. It's just like super frustrating the first two, three, four years, mm-hmm. and then you have a breakthrough with it if you don't quit, and you're like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. A yeah. lot of stuff can relate to music production that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it's just frustrating, though, because those two things, they take so, so long to get good at. I think that's, like, the most satisfying stuff, though. Yeah. Like, the stuff that you actually have to work for. And You're just fucking... And now I'm in the middle of that with, like, jiu-jitsu. So I just started Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like... How far into it are um, you? I'm still white belt, but you stay... The crazy thing about jiu-jitsu is that you stay a white belt for... You can be a white belt up for two years. Holy oh, that's shit. crazy, So man. kung fu and karate and all these other things, you can get black belts in two years. Oh, really? Whereas jiu-jitsu, a black belt takes can take you over 10 years. Oh, wow. So if you see a white belt in jiu-jitsu, he could be a fucking killer. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? To the average Joe. Yeah. Are you a killer? I'm not a killer yet. Are you going to wrestle Steven after this show? I'd Maybe get my ass handed to him. <laughs> He's fucking, I'd get wrapped up by the dreads in two seconds. <laughs> but after, after going through like surfing and music production and stuff, I'm like, I just know you just got to, you got to hang in there and just stay consistent and you'll have that breakthrough and just. Why'd you pick it up, jiu-jitsu? I feel like, man, I feel like the beginning of the year is like, you know, typical New Year's resolution. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of like, I felt like plateauing as a person, mm-hmm. music, everything was just plateauing. And I just like, I just need something to just spice it up, you know? Yeah. And also like, I feel like a lot of artists deal with like various insecurities and anxieties as, you know, being a DJ and being an artist. And I feel like it's up to me. Like no one gives you a, a set of rules. It's like, this is what you have to do to strengthen your mind and stuff and this is what you have to do to keep moving forward and so I I think I just was like maybe this is something that can help me 
you know, strengthen my mind and body to be able to deal with everything. Yeah, that's one of the hard things, I think, when, like, in all three of our situations, like, self-managing, you have to yeah. at all times because you're your own boss. Yeah. You have to dude, literally dude, be on top I, of shit. I resonate with that so much because literally, I mean, maybe, like, four months ago, I randomly was at a dinner, and my cousin jokingly me just said, uh, hey, you want to sign up for a triathlon? It was like a triathlon sprint. And I'm, I'm not that motherfucker at all, right? Yeah. Like, nothing at all. Like, I'm on the computer all day. And I just said, fucking, I did. And literally, you have to swim, like, a quarter mile in a lake or something like that. You got you to... It's hard. I didn't make it. First <laughs> off, I trained my ass off. The point is, is you train, and you push exactly. yourself to that point yeah. of... I would have never thought I would be jumping in a lake 40 degrees outside in this wetsuit, like trying to swim this like long ass distance, man. <laughs> there's, there's something special about putting yourself in like those kinds of situations. And it's kind of like, I'm trying to like explain you to people, people like, why do you do jujitsu? Why do you do surfing and all this crazy shit? I'm just like, there's something that balances out my life. So it's like being a DJ, being music producer, sitting at the computer for long hours, being on a plane. And then like this, like that lifestyle if it's just that lifestyle, it's like it can end really dark, as we've it's, seen with a lot of people mm-hmm. in the it's music really industry. It's really sad, man. But then there's this other aspect of you do these things that, like, I don't know. I, I guess the whole concept of something like jujitsu is like you can survive in an uncomfortable situation. Mm. You know, some guy's behind you, choke, ch- literally about to choke you to death. You keep your keep your calm. You think in your brain, okay, how do I escape? You take your hand off here, and blah blah blah. Do whatever, and. Same with you, like you're swimming in a lake that's 40 degrees and you've trained for this triathlon. It's like, it's just like working on another piece of your brain. And I feel like that kind of like helps balance out your life in a weird way. I think yeah. it makes you better at the main oh, thing. For like sure. You get way better. It's for like sure. Man. Fresh perspective. Even yeah. like cold showers is another thing like that. I don't know if you've ever been into that. I've got in and out of it a little I've bit. Heard a lot. I've heard but, a lot about it. But like just, it's like a... It's based on like uh, living like stoicism or whatever. Like it's like stoic. mental toughness, and it's, it's like it's like training. Basically, like going through hard shit on purpose to, like, dude. Make that's your mind what stronger. everything we just talked about. You're right. That's yeah. what it is. It's going through hard shit on purpose, preparing. It's kind of just like strengthening your mind. I think. Yeah, dude. The the first the reason I signed up for the uh, the triathlon sprint was is actually this guy Jesse Itzler. He's like this billionaire dude uh, who lives in Atlanta. But anyways, he he had this course and he was talking about the Masogi. He says it's this thing the Japanese do, where essentially one 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 day out of the year, or like one event per year, they would challenge something that was so difficult that you only had a fifty percent chance of completing it. But the the training was so rigorous, like you trying to complete that thing would be so beneficial that the benefit would last the other 300 and, you know, 64 days a year. I totally agree with that. And that triathlon thing did it for me because I was just a complete noob out there, didn't know shit. But, like, the weird – it pumped me in a different way, and I'm signing up for another one soon. But, like, I don't know. It's an interesting concept, like just trying something, like, physical crazy. Dude, I totally feel you on that. I kind of want to try a triathlon now. Triathlon? That would be awesome. Don't man. open water swim is so hard. Ellie Fitness, I'm crushing. I feel like he's way more like in in tune with swimming than you though. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, the thing is, I'm a pretty. I thought I, I think I'm a pretty good swimmer until like I've had like I've been surfing now for. Oh yeah, because he's man. I've been surfing awesome. for 15 years at least, oh, and shit. I've been out some really sketchy days. And you think you're good at swimming, and then um, it's a whole sometimes your leash. What ocean. happens is when these guys like almost drown, sometimes your leash breaks. So one day I was out in I remember I was in Palm Beach, and I was like fucking 10 foot which is like double overhead, which mm-hmm. is like bigger than the roof here. And like, I took off on a wave. I, like this big set came, I ditched my board, I had to swim under, my leash fucking snapped. And man, you look in the beach, your board gives in and you're looking around and your friends are way out there. You're in the middle and you're just like trapped in like the, oh, shit, the danger zone. And I had to swim all the way to the beach. I'm like fucking four or 500 yards out to sea or whatever. Holy shit. 10 foot waves coming. <laughs> don't have your board. You don't have anything. And you're like, oh, I got this. I'm a good swimmer, right? No. 
dude, you're just swimming and swimming and swimming and these big waves are pulling you, you're holding your breath, you come up, <gasps> there's another one, okay, and then you swim and then the current's drifting you and there's rip currents going every way, you're swimming against the rip currents, dude, I almost fucking died. Did times. you that's, feel that? Because scary. I got caught. You gotta fucking keep your cool. If you, what I learned about like when you're big waves, you just go underwater and you just gotta calm down. Just, if you start panicking underwater, dude, it's fucking over. I've done that a couple times. You panic and you're like, <gasps> and you come up to the surface and you're like, I'm gonna fucking die. I gotta get out of here. Dude, that's, dude, that's scary. And I, I remember that day I lost my I lost my leash and I had to swim in, dude. It was fucking hell. But I eventually made it after like the toughest swim of my life. And you think you're a good swimmer until <laughs> until it happens. Yeah. Open water is so hard. I can't imagine like oh. that because I was in a lake, but it was still hard because the orientation. You, you don't even have any flotation when you're surfing. You're on a board and stuff. Yeah. You lose the board and you that's out of the equation, dude. You're just. And, and also, I don't know if it's like this ocean as bad, but like I was disoriented. I couldn't like tell where I was in the lake, dude. Because you're constantly like looking up yeah. and you're like, you, it's like to look up, you have to stop swimming. It was just a lot. Yeah, that's a thing. I think when uh, swimmers get disoriented yeah. in the water, it's crazy. <sighs> Fuck that, man. Man, I have, like, feelings now of that did, time. Did it take you a while to go surf again after that, or did you just go back out? You know what? No. No? No, I just... I think because when the waves get big sometimes, I'll start to be like, oh, shit, remember that one time you lost your board? Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> what, are, what are some of the uh, your most favorite places you've gone to play? Because you've gone and done a lot of overseas shows. What's, what's been your, like, favorite place? Because I feel like um, this might play a role in it. I think... Obviously, my favorite place to go is someone like somewhere like Bali. Like Bali has like really good surfing, and like mm -hmm. the promoters like they kind of take care of you because they know like, hey, you're coming to Bali. Let's show you Bali, mm -hmm. and they'll like put you up in like some beach villa or something. So when you go to Bali, like I'll, I'll, I'll like talk to my agents and managers, and we'll figure out a date to like have like three or four days off there. I'll go there and I'll rent a surfboard and I'll have like four days off and I'll just like do surfing stuff. Oh, that sounds you, fun. You try man. to plan that in on purpose yeah. every time? Oh, you... yeah, yeah. Dude, that's the But, it, but it's it, also man. like the content because it's like it aligns well with my brand too. So it's like if my, you know, my content, Instagram and stuff, it looks like that. I'm like, it just You post like sense. surfing videos sometimes. Yeah, right? yeah. It's yeah. like, fuck it. Who cares? Dude, I, don't care if, I don't care if this is not what works in normal EDM. It's like, that's yeah. me, man. And no, it's like, that's that works perfect. better. Yeah. It's, I think it's gotta be true. And I'm yeah. I mean, sometimes like the, the way you run your Instagram can be like a differentiator, not just your music. You know what I'm saying? People try to differentiate their music, but sometimes like your brand is a good yeah. way to differentiate. People relate to you on that shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, if one, if one out of like a hundred people is a surfer, they're going to be a super fan of you now. You know yeah. what I mean? There are, I, I notice when I do post surfing stuff, they don't do as good as like a music post or something, mm -hmm. but I've I got, gotten over that hump a little bit, you know? It's just like, you know, well, I just like that's to okay. that's diversify okay. the content. Sometimes I'll post like Smash Bros content. And even <laughs> though it doesn't do as good, you know what happens? Those, those fucking you know, 2,361 people that love Smash now like me way more. It's not about the... Did Wait, it pop off? What did you say before we got on? You guys said the niches... Riches are riches, the niches. Riches are the niches. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's real true, man. Yeah. Like, going after, like, target people. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Um, that's why the, the... By the way, when we did that collab giveaway thing, the way we strategically did it was we've done more than one group of people, but all you guys are EDM, like, in the electronic music space. And so trading fans made sense for everybody. Because we're all... You know what? I was thinking about that. I was like... That was like... A sh that was... You know, those were a good group of people. Everyone it's, that exactly. were in that thing, I was like, oh, dude, I love That's what we guys, always try you know? to do. Or exactly. we do like the, when we do like a hip hop one, we'll get like all beat the beat makers, makers, all the beat makers dude. that are big. And yeah. we just go through, and even even like YouTubers, we'll get a group of like YouTuber uh, music influencers that might not have like a career outside of YouTube. They're just YouTube guys. Oh, so you guys and do make, stuff with YouTubers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dude, dude we do so much collaboration YouTubers, with YouTubers. Yeah, YouTubers is fucking incredible. Like, dude. We do a ton of sponsored videos, like uh, just 
paying people to make like and, stuff and, about and it's not products it's not stuff. what you think it's not the youtuber sitting there saying go get this pack it's nothing like that like literally what you do is you take the youtubers and uh you just let them do their fucking thing like like dude whatever you, I, I tell them like whatever you think is cool just fucking do it just like hey just happen to plug ourselves or use our shit but like do what your audience would love even minus the promotion and it's been uh. working so so they'll make these sweet videos and then just happen they happen to be using some max sounds while they're making the videos yeah so See it's super saying? natural oh and i get it yeah but do think about that man. but dude that was like sometimes like we'll pay you know we could pay a good bit for a video and then not every video but a lot of times you get the money back because people end up going to buy stuff and then you get free video with 200k it's free branding. You see what dude, I'm saying? You guys are next level with these marketing tactics, too. <laughs> we got a lot to show you. We want to show you some. Yeah, some especially stuff. the I, I know. I know open, Henry man. wants to IG stuff for damn sure. Yeah, yeah, IG is fun, man. It's just that you get like you get like instant like gratification, especially when you go up like five thousand followers. You all of a sudden get more. Do you guys? Likes on did your you guys post. know that in in I guess EDM, who kind of started all that kind of hacking marketing stuff? Who Hardwell? Did he do a lot uh, of it? He? Yeah, he was. That's why he blew up so fast. So I listened. I watched a. Uh, an interview with him he did some uh speech and i'm you know i'm also friends with him a little bit and uh he, dude the dude is on point with his marketing stuff and, and behind the scenes like all of his platforms how he built his soundcloud his facebook he was the first uh dj to do the um giveaway the mashups with the the facebook follow gate oh, that's uh, he that was is, the first one to do that oh that's crazy two, like 2012 or something yeah i remember when so then were doing I, remember that. everyone started doing yeah. the like me on facebook for xyz mm -hmm. fucking hardwell started that shit. oh wow I'm, I'm, don't quote me on that but i'm pretty sure no 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 that would first. make sense i mean he even was, even I, if they're doing it in other spaces it usually takes somebody to like bring it to the space do you know the uh like the facebook chat bot on your, yeah mm -hmm. yeah and messenger we use a lot of it yeah dude hardwell was the first to crack that too Interesting. And that's why, I, he, dude. I saw some people using. I saw Mad Decent using that a few years ago. I saw a couple people. And I was oh, like, dude, we should be using. Dude, I was like, we should. We just, yeah, we're crushing. Crushing it, it with Facebook we're, Messenger. Dude. It's 90, so good, ninety percent open rates, super engaging. Like every everybody, everybody. I have one of those, but I, I don't really. You gotta just actively use it. You gotta actively. Yeah, like, I gotta figure that out. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. It would help if you had some. Yeah, for sure. You you gotta understand. Essentially, you build these things that we call broadcast power. So like the more like for example, email list now ours is I think over nine hundred thousand. And so we have over 900,000 emails. We have like the Instagrams and stuff is a sort of distribution, but also like Messenger is at like over 40K now. What's cool is the Messenger has a really high open rate compared to like traditional email. Oh, yeah, traditional exactly. email open rate is so shit. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. Like you get the Messenger, it's like 50% open Plus it's rate. Plus you, you can put media files. So you can have music, you can have video. Dude, it gets higher than 50%. It gets like 80 to 90 sometimes. So, so That's revolutionary. I know, it's crazy. Like, I don't know if it's going to stay like that, but right now we're like fucking milking yeah. that thing, milking. man. Dude, that's one thing we learned from Gary Vee was he said like, he's like, dude, when you got a ripe orange fucking squeeze it for all that's why we're doing Instagram ah, hardcore you know what I'm saying? Too, because, because one day can... it's going to be gone do you remember facebook's eradication of like 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 facebook like pages that used to have a yeah. lot of traffic? even the algorithm yeah. facebook losing its algorithm like i remember when i kind of was coming up in like 2012 2013 facebook was the, the artist's reach were so good oh, huge. oh yeah bro it i remember huge, like man. i post a photo it was like Four or five thousand likes. Oh know. yeah, yeah. Like nothing. Now it's like you're lucky. Plus a photo, you get a couple. You're lucky to get thirty to fifty. You're lucky to get anything. It's yeah. crazy, man. They it's just so strict it on the type. So of if you squeeze that, I feel like I did was able to squeeze the most out of it. Take it, the brand during yeah. that time out of Facebook and just. Yeah, I remember a lot of artists rushing to do that. Then it became Instagram. But the thing, the cool thing is, Twitter has been kind of Twitter's been pretty consistent. Pretty stable. I like that about Twitter. It's a very consistent platform. I think YouTube, it's a great one. YouTube for that. and Google are kind of like that too. Even though a lot of musicians don't play it, like yeah. YouTube's traffic has been pretty good to the creators. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, even vloggers. I thought the vlog. I, I remember when vloggers started coming up a couple years ago. I was like, oh, this shit's gonna die in a couple years. You know? No, it's gotten and it's still huge. Facebook marked still it popping, though. Dude. Facebook marked the traffic. What do you think about Instagram? You think it's gonna disappear one day? Like the the reach? You think they're gonna slowly I, take it? I just it? think platforms are never never permanent so 
I think it's going to be something else, you know? I mean, you already see face or Instagram's algorithms kind of already starting to get over a little bit. Yeah. But dude, who knows, man? Something's going to come in. Do you th- like just fast forward five years? Do you think Instagram's going to be? I could see it still being there. Yeah, but it, I think it'll be. A top think, one. It's going to be a different. It's going to be a different product for sure. I mean, yeah. look at it from five years from uh, or previously. It's they're it's keeping way it more different. pure uh, than Facebook. Facebook. Facebook, they muddied up with a bunch of separate they, products. Yeah, they have like groups, many, there's groups. too many functions. With there's Facebook. so much shit you can do on there. You can think about go, Instagram. It's just okay. Here's a video and here's a photo. That's what mm-hmm. it started with. Yeah. You know, it's just so now cool. now it's just all they've really added is stories. So that's yeah. not really a huge and it's just barely at the top of your feed. It's not just stories are crazy. The fact that you can reach dude, Instagram changed for like when we started doing Instagram, Drew was at Enterprise, we're at the the festivals getting recognized now just like, I was I was at Enterprise Renaissance. I was I was at Enterprise Renaissance the other day. Come, when we got to LA, get in our car, and the guy, the guy kept like acting kind of weird, and then he's like, <laughs> he's like, is, he's like, is this your right email? Because it was Drew at Cymatics.fm, and he's like, is this your right email? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, are you Drew from Cymatics? And he was like, oh shit. That. And he was like, dude, I can't believe. It. He's you guys like, are the superstar behind all the sounds <laughs> everyone's using, bro. So it's weird. It's weird because I don't think there's been too many like sample pack companies who's. No, not at all. They've had face brands like that. Not even face brands. That's not what we're trying to do, honestly. Like long term, that's not like really our like for, goal. We're placing more like so. We're placing all our bets on personal brand, like for me and Drew, and like just putting out content. I noticed that you guys are pushing your own like selves. Well, do this. Look at this product. You know what I'm saying? This is like a huge play where we get to literally shoot the shit. It's also kind of this weird advantage that we have over a lot of people, where we have two people just personal branding all the time. So we have like two. Two, two heads growing. Pumping. That's like important, man. Not one account now, shared. Now so you kind of see like how important collaboration is. Like the same, like you're gonna make a track. Yeah, you, you've been collabing with uh, Dior lately, right? Yeah, you guys put out a track. Yeah, how'd that come about? Dude, so Dior's like, dude, dude's been a big inspiration to me basically my, the entire time. I me remember too. when I was a, when I was a, man. just a club DJ in Orlando playing like open format nights. Uh, do you guys know he had an alias before Dior called yeah. Tonic? Yeah, it was just like straight the beginnings of Melbourne Bounce. Mm-hmm. And I'd been, bro, I've been playing this shit since like 2000. 2011 and yeah man the dude's been i mean he's just such a beast producer such a good dude and then uh we've been talking about making music for like i don't know probably five years now and just you know just never happened and one day i just saw him in the airport and i was like so you oh what up man and i sat down with him he's like dude we got to finish your track when's it actually gonna happen i was like you tell me bro i was like (laughs) you know what it was perfect because i um i had this like latin this like latin loop on my computer it's merengue and that's like Dude, that's the stuff that he grew up listening to. I was like, I actually have this Latin idea, bro. Let me send it to you. And I had this merengue loop, and I sent it to him. He's like, dude, that's what's cool about, like, uh, for good advice, I guess, for any upcoming producers. is like, if you want to try to collab with a, a bigger DJ, it's like, you really kind of got to, you just got to catch that moment where they're inspired mm-hmm. with an idea they're inspired I by. I love that, And man. you just, you just kind of cross those roads perfectly, boom. Like I knew he was going to be inspired by this idea a little bit because it kind of was something that I thought he was going to like. So I kind of handpicked that to send it to him. Uh-huh. And he was like, dude, boom, he finished it. And like, uh, I think we finished 90% of the idea and then we just kind of, the rest of the 10% was just mixing little things and mm-hmm. getting the vocals and stuff. And yeah. then he was like, yo, uh, what do you think about getting Elvis Crespo on the vocals? I was like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, man, everyone knows Elvis Crespo. He's like a Latin legend. And then. I remember seeing like my socials and like Elvis Crespo followed me on like Twitter and Instagram. I was like, "Oh shit, this is actually fucking happening." That's fucking awesome, man. Just like that. Yeah. So that's cool, man. It's and and it was cool because it's like Latin music is that's their guys' stuff. So I was able to to work on, I guess, a a style of music that 
these two guys, that's at the root of their, um, you know, musical. He's done journey. a lot. He's done a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, like Latin bass, like house, weird house yeah. stuff. Uh, dude, his one that's like boom, 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 boom. I don't know if you remember that song, but it's like okay, this weird. It's got this like weird Latin like rapper on it, and it's so, it's such a funny song, but it's so much fun, man. I used to study Dior's songs like obsessively and Ableton just drag him in and just like rip him apart so study all the drums he just, the bounce the, th the thing with him is like he's so good at just getting that um those riffs down like you know I, I think the sound design is is obviously good but it's mm -hmm. like it has more to do with his production it's more to do with just that bounce yeah, he gets, yeah. so, he gets so much rhythm like, think about uh you know it's that so song catchy. you know that song flashlight that yeah have? yeah it's like dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that's what it's about. Right I mean, there, Melbourne, Melbourne Bounce, the original. It's fucking. Yeah, I'm kind of sad. It, I, I, because I, I did make a lot of that stuff in 2014, and it was such a fucking cool time. And then it just got so. I guess everybody just smashed it to death so hard and honestly, so quick. a lot of really bad stuff. A Dude, lot there was of like uninspired. Melbourne yeah. yeah, Melbourne Bounce was coming out at one point. Like because I think everyone kind of jumped on the thing like, oh, this works really good live. So and they, everybody wanted to make make it. Which you know, I was kind of part of that too. But yeah, I had been I had already been playing it and um, since like before it was like popular. I think so. I was like, but. Um, yeah, man, that was just one of those genres that just came up really fast and just kind of... And it just went away really fast. Yeah. kind of sad, It's but so much fun live, though, I feel man. like Tropical House Everybody is kind of like it. that. Yeah, Tropical, Tropical House, Cause it Kygo, was too easy. Because Kygo hit easy it, and he had this thing, and then there was, like, people trying to do it for a while, and, like, it all sounded identical. Because mm -hmm. I think what was cool about Tropical House is it has a time and it has a cool time and place, you know? Like, think, think about, like, a beach party or pool party or something. Yeah. Uh -huh. And it has its own little demographic of people that want, want that vibe. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think if you're trying to be a Tropical Heart... Tropical house artist right now. It wouldn't be the it's, best. It's no really hard. Yeah. It's just it just whenever something is easy, lo-fi is another one. Like a, a more easy, like you don't have to be as technically proficient. You can See, write I a thought good that's melody. hard to produce. I never even no, tried to make lo-fi stuff. No, it's just no chill, dude. You, I could show well, you like honestly, in most two of seconds it comes how from, to make lo-fi. But, but most of it, like a lot of it comes from like the original idea of like the sample, because a lot of it, it's all sample based. So like so what, what do you guys what do you guys think out of all of the EDM? genres like any of it what do you think the hardest one is to produce probably dubstep if it, to make it to, to yeah. make it well like not not to just like unique and well unique and well have a, a top level mix just to get to like that point takes about five years even having presets aren't enough i so you gotta know i would like. totally agree with you that dubstep is or like something like okay like drum and bass like super neuro like anything with like really really technical stuff i'm not gonna just say dubstep i'm gonna yeah. say bass music with super technical hard style yeah, like what anything that's... I, what I noticed, too, out, out of the dubstep producers, like, imagine the really, like, the OG dubstep guys, like, someone like, you know, Skrillex or Knife Party, mm -hmm. or... I'm just using those two guys as an example because they make stuff outside of just dubstep. But I think the bass music producers, all of them, the, the guys can make every other genre, and they can yeah. fucking make it good because they're so good at... At technical stuff. And the they, technical I wish more of them knew that, though, because a lot of them sometimes get Bro, pigeonholed. You, look at the original Knife Party EP. They have... Is it, there's a house song. There's a, a drumstep song. There's a dubstep song. There's a even every the recent album was like that. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, they're definitely like. I mean, I think Virtual Riot's a pretty good example. Virtual Riot. He, yeah. He can make he can go make great future bass, great like chill. Even future, someone like future Getter. Garage. Getter can fucking make anything. Yeah, it's exactly. Sound good. Yeah. Um. So like pretty much anybody that's just super technical. But the problem is like if you if you only make something like lo-fi or like maybe make rap beats something like that, it's really hard to switch to other stuff. Yeah. yeah. I definitely agree with that. I think trance. I think I actually think trance is really hard to produce to make it well. Like to because make, first of all, trance is like 
it's so based on the melody. And if you don't, like writing a, a really powerful, good melody in chords is like a, a totally different skill in its own, I think. Mm -hmm. But not only that, with trance, it's uh, the mixes because you're, you have to layer so many synths. So if you like, I've seen some of the, my buddies that are trans producers crack open projects and I've seen how many fucking synth layers it has. So like imagine having like, I don't know, 10, 10 silent layers just for like this chord or something. Yeah. Uh, and it's just mixing like multiple layers like that gets really like. Yeah, I can I imagine. Uh, yeah, anything that's like really technical, anything that's more about feeling is usually, I'm not gonna say easier to make. Yeah. But I would say, I would say it's e easier from it's, a technical perspective. Yeah, definitely. yeah, but like, I mean, then there's the whole other side, like you said, like knowing songwriting, knowing music theory. Because I've also seen people who are really good technically, but their songwriting is so awkward. You know Agreed. what I'm saying? But they're Agreed. great technically, like making crazy sounds, but then awkward, like putting it all together. Like a basic, so, like, yeah. So that, okay, so what's funny is you see like a lot of producers, they'll, like, they're on this journey and they're making like crazy technical you know, whatever genre it is, and they make all these bangers, and then you see them switch to radio songs, and they're putting out radio songs, and you're like, everyone's like, their fans get a little pissed, and it's kind mm -hmm, of like mm -hmm. this, oh, you're a sellout. But I think what that is, is because I just kind of went through that the last two years, it's okay, you get yourself to a point in production where you're like, okay, I can, I can kind of make whatever I need to make if I have to do it, I can work all of these synths, I can do this or whatever, and then you, f you start working with vocalists, and this whole other door of songwriting opens up, and you're like, dude, I don't know how to do any of this. I don't know how to work with vocalists. I don't know how to process vocals. I don't know how to write a catchy hook. I don't know what a catchy hook is. I don't know how to arrange the vocals. And uh, I think a lot of producers, they, that door opens and then they, they're like, they start trying to hone that and it comes out in their music as like radio Pop, hits. Yeah. Mm. You see it but a lot. Really, but really there's a, a, an equal level of skill with learning how to work a, like a vocal record, I think. Mm. No, it definitely. With it. But um. Yeah, I feel like the last couple of years, I, I'd kind of been in a cave just like working on that. Like even just having sensibility with like just hearing a vocal and being like, okay, does this work? Does it not work? Is this hook catchy? Is this top line good? Even just having a sensibility for getting a top line back and be like, yeah, that's cool. That's good because of this hook or whatever. That's crazy. Do you think a lot of producers aren't able to hit a certain scale? You think the vocals play a big role? Because some of the vocal projects seem to like go a lot further distance and a pure vocal, like beat there's project, guys you know? there's people that just specialize in vocal production like my friends Reed Stefan and Kara they do so much vocal production that's who they were talking about by the way Kara they are saying we should get them on the podcast yeah and Bonnie yeah. and Clyde okay. were just over saying they should get on here too yeah I, I see what they do and like just like you know double recommendation what I, say. Yeah. I mean the top level guys in pop because I have a lot of friends on the pop world like my friend Dallas K he's like um um He's half in EDM world and half in yeah, pop I know world. So I see the people he gets in the studio with and I've seen the people um, he's worked on music with and stuff. And there's guys that are just like literally known for their vocal production. And they have a career out of just doing vocal production stuff, whether it's comping, auto-tune, layering, getting all the, the stuff right. They literally just do that and that's their sole job. And they like, I think I was like, I was talking to one guy one time. I was like, hey man, yeah, I have this radio track, whatever. It's a vocal track. I, I, I needed some uh, vocal production. He's like, okay, yeah, that, that's like gonna be like three thousand dollars. I was like, oh, it's three thousand dollars. But that's because it's such a it's it's such its own art. Like making a beat is one thing, and you think making a beat is like ninety percent of it, but then you discover like this whole world of like as you guys know, like how much goes into like uh, vocal production is fucking. How do you uh, think that people can link up with vocalists to actually start practicing? Okay, there's two ways you can go about it. I think you can just make the connections by yourself and hit people up 
and just do it and hope <laughs> just just message. spray and pray yeah <laughs> or you could uh, uh a lot of people go through their publisher so you have a publishing deal or a record deal and they link it personally i don't have i'm not um i'm not signed to a label or anything so i've gone in literally straight dms so what i found that um i've just straight up blind emailed people blind hit up people on twitter yo i like your stuff you know let's work on some music and more than more than not, they'll write back and be like, "Okay, cool." Dude, people underestimate how good DMs are. Dude, yeah, so good. And it's so many artists are scared to just. You actually, I got to give uh, the Bad Royale guys credit for telling me that because they started working with all these dope like dancehall vocalists. I was like, "Yo, how are you guys working with these guys?" They're like, "Dude, we just DM." I was like, <laughs> "I was like, what? You just DM?" <laughs> so funny. then I started. Uh, they're like, "Yeah, yeah, just try it." So I started DMing people, and I was getting good results. Uh, I have a song coming out. Uh, me and my buddy Jinko produced a song for Pepper, the reggae band, and uh, that came from a DM, bro. I DM'd him. I was like, hey, I, I've been a fan for years, like, love your guys' stuff, like, would love to work on music. And they were like, run back, cool, let's do it. I think most people want to work with people. There's almost nobody that's like, oh, I'm not trying to work with people. You yeah. just gotta, especially those you got just, a good brand. I don't think you wanna just be that guy that's just like, collab bro to every big artist. Like, you gotta have. You gotta have a little bit behind social proof. Yeah, something. something yeah, because you know, after you send that, they're gonna go click your Spotify, play through your songs, click your page, like see what you look like and stuff. I think as long as you kind of pass that test and they like your music, I think you know it's pretty easy. So, I mean, I, I think even more upcoming producers, as long as your music sounds good and you've honed that, I think a lot, a lot more um, producers could be working with good vocalists as long as you just reach out. I think I think even like so what we do and the way we've been really like I would say cold outreach has probably been one of our most successful things and it's not because of Cymatics having a brand as much as like doing it very tactically so we get a spreadsheet we write down the names of every single person uh, email addresses relevant thing to them so like for example Is that the Gary Vee trick? No, this is something no, we okay. just built on our own. We use MailShake. It's a fucking beast. I got to show you later. But uh, okay. uh, So let's pretend I'm hitting you up, but we've never talked to you, right? So we'd put Henry Fong, email address, manager. But then we'd also say, like, we'd write down, like, what are they currently interested in right now? Is it a current release, a tour? And then what we do is we oh, write wow. this message that says, hey, contact first name. So, hey, Henry. Uh, I'm actually just reaching out because we're a big fan of what you do. Uh, I saw that you have X reason coming up. I'd love to help you promote it. We have the Max community. You know, we have this many fans, 800,000 on email list, Instagrams, et cetera, et cetera. I'd love to do a hard promo on our show, like this show. It's like know your customer, man. You, yeah. you got to exactly. know the people and you know what they're really... Yeah, and, and it is a good value prop, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's good. But like using their, what they're up to, to like, to your your way in is so much better because people are selfish. It's not like, it's human nature, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And that shit works like a fucking charm. Dude, that's crazy. I, I mean, that's, you, you notice that too when people send you emails, you're just you're way more likely to open an email that's like related to something that yeah, you're doing. And not, not just somebody asking when somebody's like, check out my peep. Yeah. Peep like somebody, so, like somebody will like send a demo even. It's like, Hey, I, I hear, I heard you had quite a bit of Moomatone in your set. So here's a new Moomatone song. I'm that, like, see, I'm going to click it. That's a yeah, I'm way click it. better message. Always click it. That's a, that's yeah, a rather than message. like, kind of what you said about Dero, that same, the Latin influence yeah. or like that track, it kind of follows the same rules. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. Like I knew this. I was like, man, if he's going to finish anything I'm going to send him, it's probably going to be this one. Yeah, so it's like... Does, is he in L.A.? Uh, yeah, he lives in uh, uh, down south, though. Dude, a little every, more towards every, Orange County. Everybody fucking lives in L.A., man. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Is it expensive out here for you? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous, bro. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> like, I came from Florida, man. I was in... I mean, I lived, I know, in, I I lived yeah, in a fraternity Georgia's... house. My, you know my rent was in my fraternity house? Uh-huh. It's $400 a month. <laughs> $400 a month? I mean, we live in Georgia, so it's like same shit. Like Fuck, Yeah. Years. I was, it was a really rude awakening. I, I came from Orlando and I had roommates and stuff and then I moved out here. I was just like, dude. Do you think that was, do you think it's important moving out here for a producer? 
Um, look, now social platforms are so good that I don't think it's absolutely essential. Um, but I think if you're the type of person that can deal with the hustle and you're that kind of person that, can, that doesn't get tired of go, 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 I think it can 100% benefit. Because I remember when I first moved out here, I didn't really have anything going on. I think I had one, one label release and um, my buddy had a music blog called The Bingo Balls. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of The Bingo uh -huh. Balls. It was this music blog, like t more targeted towards college kids. And uh, I remember I was trying to get into a show like uh, at this place called Yost Theater in Orange County. And I remember like I, I, I wanted to go backstage and like network with these artists. And I remember lying to the front lady. I was like, hey, I'm a writer for Bingo Balls. I'm going to cover the event tonight. Can I get a backstage pass? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. As long as you do the write-up, we'll approve the write-up and everything, but here's your backstage pass. Ended up going backstage. Ended up meeting, like, um, I think who it was? It was Showtech, I think. Oh, Ended wow. up meeting Showtech, got their email, and then they started playing my stuff, and that was, you know, one little factor in, that helped everything. But, but yeah, if you're, if, if you're down with that kind of hustle and you, when you first move out here, it's, you won't 100% benefit because you're just putting yourself, you're just increasing your odds, man. Like, you're just, there's a big pot of all these DJs, producers, music industry people and you just go in the pot and you mix in the pot and your odds of you know, meeting people that are gonna um, kind of share the same interests are just higher. Yeah, yeah that I mean, makes sense. No, I love the, the backroom sneak hustle. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I think that was lot, just like one thing. A lot of very successful people talk about the little like, things like that, you know what I'm saying? It's some little thing and you would probably, you know, I think nowadays if you're an upcoming producer, you'd be like, oh, that's stupid. It's like, dude, you gotta do what you gotta do. No, man. no, that's, that's awesome, yeah. man. Yeah. That's what you should be doing. Anybody that says that's stupid is probably not gonna do shit. Yeah, to I'm honest. too good to do that. It's like, well, all right. Well. But then, like after that era, I remember doing like that kind of stuff, and I was just trying to get into the same places where DJs were playing. And then I remember getting a random email back one day um, from Hardwell's label. They just signed like a random email demo. We're like, what? They fucking actually check this demo. They're like, hey, <laughs> That's we want to sign this demo. I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> is this a joke? So, so people should be sending out their demos to labels? Dude, you have to. Oh, okay. So this brings me to the other, um, I guess, turning point that happened around that time when I was starting out was, uh, do, you, do you remember Kazette? The guys that used yeah, to yeah, be yeah. signed with, with the, the They had yeah, the heads yeah. on. Yeah, Kazette. So Kazette, uh, they were, I, I opened for Avicii one night with my friends. And uh, it was like me, Dallas K, and the Milan Otis guys. We were opening uh, for Avicii in my hometown in Orlando at the House of Blues. And Kazette, it was uh, was built right before, right after us, before Avicii. And I was in the back room, and you know they had like really exploded with their electro sound. Like in, this was like 2000. Yeah, I remember that. 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. Yeah. And I remember asking them just like tips. I was like, Yo, what should I do? How do I, you know, how do I do this? They're like, Dude, you got to send a million emails. I was like, What? We used to do that. So They're like, you've got to spam emails, man. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I listened to them and just goes back to what we were saying about uh, trying to work with vocalists. Dude, I've sent fucking thousand emails to vocalists. Hey, uh, looking for a vocal feature on this track. I would love to work with you on this. Boom. And it happens. And you know, you send out a thousand emails, like one of them's going to write you back. Dude, that's why I tell people it's, number, it's a numbers game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because if you're only getting a 1% rate, you still I'm, can Imagine have good only picking you... five vocalists and sending five emails trying to get a vocal feature, no one writes you back, you can't be upset because you only sent to five people. Yeah. Like, I think people do that with like their outreach. They think, oh, people aren't responding to me. I'm like, dude, you've only hit up 20 people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, part of, it's, part of it is, you know, obviously you got to have good music and you got to have that stuff tightened up, but like a lot of it is just persistence and just making sure you're... But I, I will always remember those guys telling me, 
email, reach out to people as much as you can. And I did that with blogs too. So I remember when the blog game was like, you email your shit to blogs and blogs would post it. And that's how you like, did you have up. a big list at the beginning of, Oh uh, bro, I had a fucking all the blog. Yeah, me, email me and Drew would make it our homework. We'd but it's funny how that model changed now. Right? Yeah. Like, so think about that. That blogs, used to be so you could good. blow up off of a blog. And then it was the DJ promo email game. Everyone wanted, you know, and then I remember getting in and I remember the first time I got an email list of like that had all the DJs. I was like, it's like Tiesto's email, and like all these guys' email, and <laughs> people were sneaking and like trying to get big DJs' emails, and then you just boom, just bomb everyone with promos. Yeah. Eventually, I remember uh, Chucky. Chucky played played one of my songs in his podcast, and then another one was in like Tiesto's Club Life in like 2012, and I was like, coming from those emails. That's it. That's all I wanted, man. <laughs> but yeah, Dude, it was funny. Tiesto had a track, and uh, he actually had one of our pre-drop vocals. Oh shit! Yeah, really? like, right. It was yeah. like that. What was offering? What was on? Boom, 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 boom. That? Oh, boom, that was your guys. Boom, boom. Yeah, that was, was a, that's a what fucking big say? track. Yeah. What does he say? When, when bring that ass back. Like, bring that ass back. That was our, yeah. that was our yeah. buddy Marlon. We used to know from like no high school. Way. But yeah, it was funny. I'm trying to think of all the tracks I have. So but he was a huge Tiesto in. fan, so it was just for him to hear like. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah you see what I'm saying. Imagine if he had a publishing on that record. That was like 50 million streams on it. That's the thing about our samples. You gotta let that go. Yeah, we don't want to be greedy. That's good for us, like success stories. You know what I'm saying? No, no, I'm just but like, yeah. but like the weird part is there's companies that do that. There, they no, like I've heard like stories. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say any names because I don't want to say false information. But I've heard stories of some of the bigger, well-known ones that you would know of reaching out and saying, "Hey, you got to pay us royalties on this because it got this this big." Uh, that, you can't do that though because there's a no. Well, but they, they'll, they'll they, put they it in they fine print. In fine oh print yeah, and their calls like, like but you're just not telling. Saying, you know what I'm saying? You're not looking at. Nobody it. reads that. Yeah, because yeah, like, like unless it says explicitly 100 percent royalty free. Which we always do. If yeah. it doesn't say that, then. But then also, you know, what problem we bump into sometimes is that somebody will use, let's say, a couple set of sounds, a loop or something, and then they'll try to claim other people's songs. Say, Based on the loop, me. it's fucked and up. Even man. though they're using the same loop. What? Dude, okay. And it's for so us, that makes so it So I talked to, so I talk to like, my dude. buddy Reed about this, and I was like, ask him because he'd made sample packs. And before I made my sample pack, I was like, okay, I'm about to make my sample pack for Splice or whatever. Like, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he was telling me like all that stuff that happens, and, and just with sample packs, as you guys know, it's like kind of a gray area with certain things. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I can totally see how people would try to make a loop, and then yeah, but it's maybe, silly, you know what I'm saying? Because like, it's, yeah, it's can, still like it's not their con- it, it doesn't become your content. Do you remember? Because it's it's remember when yeah. like Vengeance was the only sample pack company, yeah. and yeah. everybody was making music with Vengeance sample packs, and it was weird when and you, you could pick out the sounds yeah. like oh, this, yeah. dude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that now with us too. Yeah, because yeah. you guys are like one of the most dominant sample packs, and same with like Cashmere. It's like someone used a Cashmere. Yeah, sample you, like, you know, but it's not as it's not as condensed as it was where you literally had. All the producers only using vengeance. Some like literally only vengeance. It was crazy, man. It was a different time. Also, the samples used to be a lot worse back in the day. The kicks don't Dude, slam. Dude, everything sounded worse. Dude, back the, kicks. The, 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 the way production has uh, the production quality. If you go back and listen to the music from 2010, the way it's mixed, the kick drums, all the shit, you're like, it's like, oh my god, flappy and like. Yeah, uh, I mean, dude, you couldn't download presets. Like, did. Do you remember, did you use presets back in the day? No, dude. I like remember uh, 2012. Using, um, I remember everyone just used Silent and Massive, and then you had to go on YouTube, and you had to watch tutorials on, like, how to make <laughs> the Skrillex bass sound with Massive or yeah. something, or, like, Silent. Like, Always so hard to yeah. see Massive tweaking the little things back in the day. We I, bought I, one preset pack, remember? I, I got to say, I, I opened up Silent the other day. I was like... Yo, what is this dinosaur, bro? That's funny. <laughs> I still like Silent. I, I used it for like some like super saw thing, and you know that's I th- feel like the main sound that it's good. Are you for, playing with that new one? What was it called? Phase plant. Phase plant. It's pretty awesome. I got the um, actually 
Rob Swire put a bunch of DJs in a DM group and he's like, hey, I have a free copy of Faceplant for everyone. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he, he like, did a bunch of the presets. You should check out the effects ones. I need he to did download there. it. I need to download Dude, it. Dude, the effects presets he did, he did this one called Dial Up and it just like sounds like, like a dial a up like phone that it just purely synthesized. Like, dude, Damn. he's so. He's such a next level sound designer. He's there's, one that Rob, sounds, yeah. there's one that so sounds amazing, like a police man. siren like thing. Like dude, Rob is by. he can dude. He's a G. He's, he's a so fucking dope man. producer, man. He's they're actually I would say him and Gareth are like the, their big reason why they they helped I think break my career a little bit. Oh really? Yeah. Talking about Gareth Emery. No, 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 no. Gareth no. from Knife Party. Oh, okay. Never so mind. Gareth and Rob together, like, dude, they helped. They supported so much of my shit in the beginning. They, I remember they helped me. They introduced me to people at EDC one year, and they introduced me to. Um, all these people, and same with Kill the Noise. Actually, I think Kill the Noise introduced me to them, mm. but they were always supporting my stuff. And then I remember one day I woke up, they shouted me out on Twitter, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And yeah. then I, I went on a little, like a little mini, like tour with them and stuff. So who's, shout out to those guys because they, they, that was a big step for me. So who's yeah. the best producer you'd say you got in the studio with that you were just like, "Holy shit, this guy's fucking amazing." It's actually one of my good friends, man. I, I think he's one of the best producers I know. But it, it's funny though. Out of all the guys you go in the studio with, and you go to the studio with like some of these like big EDM producers, you go to re you become to realize that it's not about their engineering skills or their like how good they are at serum and all this stuff. It's it's just the way they have the ideas in their head and how they lay these ideas out. Mm -hmm. And it's not so much about oh this guy has the best processing chain ever, but that's just m my personal experience because I haven't worked with a lot of dubstep producers. Maybe that's yeah. different. But I know a lot of house guys. Do like that, I've been like, in the studio with like um, one of the one of the guys that I, in my opinion, was one of the best musicians that I worked with was Tommy Trash. Mm. Tommy Trash is a fucking G, man. But he's, he's obviously good at the engineering side of things, but what I noticed when I got in the studio with him, he's so good musically. Like his music theory and stuff, he used to play keyboard in a band, he can play trumpet, and just working with him in the studio, just, I could just see that coming out, and that was, that was his advantage on why he, like, he had a record like Reload. Dude, San Holo is seeing him. Dude, I saw dope. watching it because he came over to my house, made music in my studio, and we went to the studio with him, and he made a song there too. And watching him both times make that song is like one of the most incredible it things was quick, I've seen musically. Man. Like he, musically, he's like the he's the best musician I've been around. Like just as far as just really? playing guitar and stuff, yeah. man. He's an incredible guitarist. It's not what he's. It's not what he's. It's not what he was doing even like in the in the session, doll, in It's the just doll. the musical it's, ideas. Yeah, and he, how he's he laying would it pick out. The first the kick ideas? and per, first snare that he would find. It doesn't matter. But yeah. he would. But the everything was coming from the feeling of what he was creating. Like when like I got in the, the studio guitar. with like, you know, like Tommy Trash and Dylan Francis and some of these guys, I'm just like, you know what? They're they're doing the same stuff that I'm doing, kind of per se. It's just the way they're doing it. They're thinking on a different level with their ideas and. Uh, I guess the music and stuff and the originality of the ideas and they just I, that was a big occurrence and the same with Dioro like I was like oh what, how does Dioro make all these leads so I was like okay he's using sampler and overdrive and saturator but it's not about that it's, it's about how he's these riffs it, yeah. he's writing he's getting this fucking yeah. groove and stuff so like I want like a lot of the new producers to like not necessarily think they gotta be like these expert secret like, tricks type people like super engineers I mean that obviously helps um, that helps a lot to make your sense your sound stand out, but it's also about the groove and the music too. Mm -hmm. So, well, also I think that like those people have just faced, it's almost like solving problems and then they've faced so many different challenges in a song. They already know like, Oh, okay. I remember I can do like this little thing. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. they just have an arsenal of like, Oh, this situation, let's just do this. We're almost like that on social really good. You know yeah. what I'm saying? There's certain things where like, Oh, we've seen this before, like how to run. But the guys that really inspired me the most, I would say, are my friends. Like, um, I mean the guys that taught me how to produce, um, it's, a uh, 
Milanotis and Dallas K. Mm. Milanotis, which is uh, Kilogram yeah, and Nims. Yeah, they're good. Those two guys, like we all kind of came up out of Orlando together at the same time, and I didn't even know how to make music. I was just a promoter and a club DJ, and we all started hanging out, and I had, um, like, we were just like DJing together, and they were like, "Oh, you want to learn how to make some music?" I was like, "Yeah, I'll show." Watch a couple Ableton sessions, and that's how I learned how to make music. But what, seeing those those guys, like, now how much they've grown as their own producers and stuff, like. For example, like Dallas has like, he's got like one of the biggest pop, he's a, he's a producer on one of the biggest pop songs of like all fucking time. What's that? Like he wrote uh, Work From Home, The Fifth Harmony, like massive fucking oh, song. Wow. He's a producer on that. And man, just seeing him from, come from Orlando and make that move out here and get a hit song like that, it's just crazy. And I've, you know, I've been lucky to be able to watch guys like that and kind of, I guess, be mentored a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking wild, man. Yeah. Um, no, that's super interesting. Do you want to, uh, what, what time are we at right now? Can we, do we have a time we, check? We need to start. Okay. 40 minutes. Okay. Do you yeah, want to, do you want to switch into the audio segment here pretty soon? Yeah. I think we got probably a couple more questions we can go through yeah. and then switch into it. How are you liking so far? Dude, it's perfect, man. Dude, super I, laid back. The shit. I just I like shooting it. the shit. Dude, <laughs> there's this, there's this one moment that I'm thinking of specifically that I'm about to rush to my computer right after this and cut out and use as a, a piece of content because it's so good. There's uh, I don't one, know what it is. Uh, where you were talking about uh, you really how you, moments. how you got in the door, um, with going backstage yeah like going backstage yeah. that was one of the best yeah like, i had a feeling that was a good story yeah. <laughs> because it's I like just, so, it's, people need to get more like creative with stuff like that you know yeah. what i mean um yeah. i've seen people sneak in and shit before too like i mean dude sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do we snuck into tomorrow world i'll admit that i was fucking i was broke as shit man yeah, listen, <laughs> i had listen, no money our our, our big because you want to go to something like that it's in georgia obviously it's like 300 a ticket and i remember me, that me and drew are dead broke but so what we did was i mean we just like or i would do it volunteer or just go work there uh and then just like literally just fucking, dude that's I'm, genius I'm, too i'm volunteering and then too. once i'm there i'm just in the festival yeah <laughs> and then uh, i was i was thinking like drew and then because of that reason though when i got drew in it led to a lot of the just even musical stuff past that point you know what i'm saying like yeah. seeing all the people on main stage obviously drew like you're already back design. there and you can like see everything yeah it was crazy we've been asking everybody this and i forgot to uh what's your craziest tour story because you've Ooh. been touring for fucking how long now dude I've been a DJ now for 10 years. Yeah. 10 years touring actually as an EDM DJ, I guess, if you want to call it that, whatever. <laughs> um, seven. It's my seventh year. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I would say the craziest tour, I got booked to play the show in Mongolia. I was like, Mongolia? <laughs> Is there even music in Mongolia? Like, I, I had all these preconceived notions of what Mongolia was. So that basically in Mongolia, there's one city. It's this massive country. There's one city called Ulaanbaatar, which is the capital, which only has a population of a couple million people. So you have this giant country and then this little dot of a city with a couple million people in it. And that's everyone else that lives outside of the city is, uh, uh, what do they call them? The uh, nomads. Oh. Mm. So they live in yurts and they have their goats and stuff. Oh, wow. So I went out there and me and uh, this other uh, DJ Mern from Singapore, we just got booked to play a show. We're like, we had no idea what to expect. <laughs> so we literally, they were like, oh, it's a festival. I was like, and we're the only festival. DJs? I was, like, There's, I was like, what the fuck? So they have this uh, famous Genghis Khan statue that's this giant piece of like aluminum stainless steel statue. It's massive. It's huge. And they do this festival out in the middle of the rural area where the plains or desert or whatever it is mm. that's like wide open. And there's just this massive statue nothing else from like as far as the eye can see 
And then they just set up this fucking massive music festival, dude. And it was just me and Mern playing and like 4,000 people showed up. <laughs> it was wild, dude. In the was middle of Mongolia, dude. And these people, the entire city knew about it. So you have this city with a couple million people in it. And that was the hottest thing going on in the entire city. It was oh, this wow. festival. That's so you crazy. had all walks of life at this festival. Was it like the EDC type culture or anything like that? Like rave culture or no? It was more just like you went to a giant like outdoor like like something like a celebration. Like it was more like a 4th of July outdoor party. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> but but they, they loved, you can tell that the music, this was in like 2016 maybe, and you can tell the music had just started to get picked up. So I had to play, I remember DJing and I was playing music from 2013. I was playing like Martin oh, Garrick's wow. Animals and it was like, fucking going oh, off. <laughs> and Animals two, like, was fun, right? When it came out. By 2016, like if you were playing that, you were an idiot, man. Yeah, you were not a cool DJ. No. That was a, that was a dope record. You gotta, gotta no, give that's that credit. No, that's such a great record, man. But, but uh, yeah, I remember playing Mark Garrick's Animals and everyone just losing their fucking shit. But I didn't care. Like, I, that's, you, so that's part funny, of your DJ. Man. You gotta play the crowd, right? So I was playing all this throwback big room and it was just like, Boom! It was going off, man. That had to be fun, man. Dude, because I love big. That's room. like big room was fun. I was love at festivals, big room, man. Dude, everyone can hate on big room all they want because I, I I made I, big room for years. I can't. Part say of shit. me has to stay true to that because that's how I started. You know, mm -hmm. I started making big room basically, and it's like, dude, it's it, it's a, it works. That's where it I started live. getting into like the technical side of EDM production was with big room, and then I switched over to some other stuff. But yeah, it was it's something. I don't know. It's it, hard to make it sound like. A big, big song. That's yeah. a tough. That's a. It's tough all about thing the melody, do. man. Yeah. You just nail that drop riff, and you're fucking good to go. But I remember playing all this old stuff, and like all these people were going off, like three, four thousand people that in the fun, middle man. of the plains of Mongolia, and that's just like, you know, you could go your whole life again and never play a, a festival in Mongolia. It's just like, do you ever just like sit there and you're like, holy shit, I am just in the middle of fucking nowhere in the world. Like, yeah, this is like yeah. weird. I, I haven't traveled a lot outside. I've like the been country, in the car so. in like the middle of like China, and I'm just like, Where what's going on? <laughs> that's Where weird, I, man. Dude? I kind of felt like that when we got here. I'm like looking at this. I'm like, damn, dude, this is kind of weird. This is a whole other world out here, I used man. To be a yeah. Sign holder. You I'm know definitely coming who's out the here. DJ? Some DJ played a show at the Great Wall. It was like. Paul Oakenfold or someone. Oh, yeah, really? Paul Oakenfold. Was it? That sounds. He epic. played that a fucking awesome. DJ set on top, on top of the Great Wall, and there was like people everywhere. That's crazy. It's called the Great Wall, uh, yeah. the Great Wall Festival or something. Did, did, did oh, you guys wow. see that one Dead Mouse show where he had like the entire building was his mm -hmm. visual, but it was a it huge was sweet, skyscraper. Man. No, it was, it was, it was in, I think it was in like Toronto or something. Yeah, it was like, like panels, but it went up the entire skyscraper. It was a whole like one of those like one of the taller one of those big see, skyscrapers. Like, the whole was it like was it like when DJ Snake did the thing on top of the the Eiffel Tower. What was that? Arc de Triomphe. It was Arc de Triomphe. I didn't see that one. He no. premiered a new song and he played like a DJ set on top of the Arc de Triomphe, which is like one of the most famous That's crazy. monuments of all time. What's the biggest show you played? People-wise. Oh, probably like a festival or something. Like how many, you think? How many people in the crowd? I played, I mean, I've played like EDC and Ultra, but I would think I played this festival in Thailand. S2O festival is like the water festival. The stage was fucking massive dude i don't know there's probably twenty thousand people or something oh, dude, do you know. get scared going up there sometimes dude i will say this playing club shows where everyone's up uptight like kind of looking at you i get way more nervous you go to dude, a that's what body you go to a festival there's so many people you can't even see faces <laughs> that's and exactly you're just like up there said, but like man. the thing about a festival is you can you go up to a festival and you're like you can more or less play whatever you want because people aren't really leaving. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you can get away with a little better club set. You're kind of working, like, you know, just say a club show with like four or 500 people, you're like really working to keep everyone in the room. Yeah. Mm. And it's a lot more pressure, I think, in that aspect. That's so funny. So do you like answer. playing those smaller, bigger shows? I like both, dude. So like, it's good to play the big shows and it's good to play the small club shows. But as a DJ, 
I, you know, I, I used to be like a more of a hip hop open format DJ, um, like locally. So I learned how to play the the worst of the worst. Yeah. Early on, like I remember, dude, I was playing like cha cha slide, country music, like <laughs> you fucking name it, ridiculous stuff. Like, and uh, I learned how to play that. So like when I got to the point where I could just play only dance music, I was like, oh fucking, this Wait, is heaven, dude. I, I got a question. You were talking about being a promoter. Yeah. And the weird thing is, is that Daniel was a promoter from Bonnie and Clyde. And I think that learning, I don't know, I might be wrong. It was learning a little bit of that side of things, oh, like hustling and trying to sell shit. Absolutely, like, dude. I used to, so I had this night, it was called Riot Wednesdays in Orlando, uh, Florida. And this was at the time, like, Bloghouse Electro was really popular. Mm-hmm. So it was like 2010, 2011. And uh, yeah, man, I, me, and, um, me and my buddy Nims, we just like had, had this idea. We we're like, yo, let's start an EDM night, but at the college at UCF. So like UCF was like huge college, like 50,000 kids go there. And the only other uh, dance music nights were like downtown or further away. So we're like, let's do one at the college bar and make it like really more college oriented EDM kind of night or whatever. And then I just, I, I did this like, okay, <laughs> let's print out some flyers. Here's the night, it's called Riot. We're gonna just DJ, pass out some flyers, get our buddies to come out. First night, there was like 20 people there. I'm like, okay, this sucks. So then, I just kind of had to figure out the hard way, like how, to, how do you get people to an event? So we, we, we worked out the branding, we worked out the drink specials, we worked out specific things like, hey, if this bartender works, more people from this fraternity, come. And then I, I, I would hit up people that, like, that worked at a car, apartment complexes and I would put, I would be like, hey, can you open up all the mailboxes? I wanna put all my flyers in all the mailboxes. <laughs> so then I would go around to all the college complexes, I would ask the mail people to open the, the, the mail up, because on the back end, uh, on the mailboxes, you know, downstairs at like a college apartment, yeah, yeah, yeah. you just have, and then they have a one big flap that opens on the, on the back, and a couple times they would just let me put all the flyers in, I just boom, 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 smash all the flyers in there, flyers on the cars, flyers on campus. Just going in. And then I remember Facebook, Facebook advertising was brand new, and I learned how to use Facebook advertising uh, the very, very, very beginning when it was so brand new. Mm-hmm. And I think it was way more effective back then. I don't know. Yeah, if you, know how to use it, if you knew how to work it back then, because not that many people were working it. Yeah, you got to be smart. It goes now. up and costs some more time. I had on. people coming to the event like, oh, we saw an ad online on Facebook. And I, I, I don't even remember what the platform looked like back then because it was like 2010. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I remember people, the ad campaign um, definitely helping the event a lot too. But Dude, I, w- I would say Facebook ads help build cymatics. Yeah, dude. I dude, mean, yeah. Uh, we've spent just over nine hundred thousand dollars at this point on oh. Facebook ads over yeah, the past couple of years. It's back, exponentially so it's like, grow, dude. It's such a good. Someone investment. told me. Someone told me a story. I don't know if it's true. That said, that excision went really heavy in Facebook ads when Facebook was like really popping for DJs. It, I think it's still popping. I, I, yeah, it's still. If it's, you do it the right way, it just like it's harder. The more now. people use it, the more it's going to go up in cost. Well, did you have so. to? So, so Facebook ads is a way to get the traffic, but then to make that traffic like then have a way to where you can capitalize on it long term. Is hard. Like that part is hard. Mm. Like so, a lot of people. Like a long term strategy. A lot of people think you just hit the promote button and you're doing the same thing that we're doing, or like that higher level companies. And nah. I'm like, dude, it's so much deeper than that. That's just like the first tip of like a then something that should dude, knock over one domino. Just that a thought. Over twenty. You guys should manage DJs. Dude, you know what? You guys would be fucking boss at managing DJs. We would, but you just have it's, it's not really our thing. I like consulting. So much. I, I like, like consulting ta- with yeah. people and talking to like people. Oh, like you helping like, set up cool like cool like, ideas and like, level them up a little bit. And not be tied down to like one person because I love like I love getting creative and like being able to step outside of cymatics and be like, hey, uh, we'll okay. help you. We'll help you with like your project for like some a of my friends do that something. here. Um, my friends uh, Chris and um, Jaso from uh, they were the guys that started Control at Avalon. Yeah, they started their own uh, like kind of branding marketing agency. 
and they consult with, um, I think most of their clients had been DJs. Yeah, and they, that's cool. They work on their like visuals, their content, their branding, their logos. It would be like stuff. growth hackers, like growth hackers. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. You, that's badass, what man. What are you trying to do? Like, okay, let, let's get everybody to see this shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I would recommend... The funny thing is, we'd recommend a whole different set of shit. We'd be like, all right, your ass is going YouTube. <laughs> You're doing yeah. this, you know what I'm saying? And watch what happens to your music. Yeah, you kind of analyze like what they need yeah. and just be like... Like, dude, think about how many people are going to watch this and then be like, dude, he, he does Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Like, holy shit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you should or, start posting some videos of that. Yeah. I've never seen that. And I, I, I always see the surfing I, ones. I want to get shit. better, but the thing... There's the biggest skill level gap I've ever seen of anything in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Like... I'm still a white belt, and I'll literally go in, and I just get humbled on the fucking regular. Wait, can you dude. post that though? I would love to see. No, your that's ass that. Uh, That'd be good content. You could be like, like I'm training, progress. guys. Yeah, and like I'm getting to the point now where I can last like, without getting tapped, so I can go and I can roll with higher belts now, and I can roll for six minutes, and I won't get tapped. Dude, that's gotta be a workout. You should man. roll for it with and Jordan I'm, for a little bit. Jordan, you're in really good shape, are you? Yeah, stuff. Yeah, I I work out only like once or twice a week. I probably okay. I probably surf once or twice. I probably go to the gym once or twice, and then jujitsu. Twice a week. Yeah, you're, you're so probably what do you, real What do you shape. like more? Are you surfing versus your music? Because it sounds like surfing goes deep. Oh, man. You know, at the, if you were really to strip all the other stuff off me and you're like, what are you? I'd be like, I'm an ocean person, man. The music was second. Do you like the movie Moana? Have you seen it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Moana. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, dude, at, the, at my core, it's like I could picture like my ideal scenario. I'd be like living on some island in the Pacific like beautiful wave out. So we out back and I had a studio. Day? I'd have a studio right on some island. Like, but all dude. it ties in with the, the ocean. Yeah. No, that's if awesome, you had bro. enough money, would you do that at some point? Just retire off to oh, island somewhere? hundred percent. Not that even a question, fun, man. Like my, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm, I never started to, to be like a, a DJ to just be the most fucking famous, richest DJ. It's like, I started being a DJ because first of all, I love, I love the music, but what I liked about it was just the lifestyle, man. You yeah. know, I, I was just into the lifestyle of being able to just not, not be your own boss, I guess, but I just, I, I love like living in California and I just love like, like a normal day. Like I'll wake up, I'll go surfing at like 7am, come back, I'll hit the studio for like four or five hours and then I'll drive to Hollywood. I'll go meet with my managers, come home, go to jujitsu for an hour, come back, hit the studio for another four hours. And that's just like, Ideal day, that's, man. That's and then, fun. and then the week, the weekend hits. I go out, play a couple shows, come back, and I just like this variety of things. You yeah, know, he's that's like the us. dream, we, man. We set, we set up, our, yeah. We try to set up <laughs> our lives like that. Yeah, where you can kind of flex, just, you know, what I'm saying, like you can, you're flexible with. Like, yeah, but it's, but see how it's like a balance. Like I feel like it's so weird to me, like that people just can just go and just do. Like there's guys that just do studio stuff. I mean, dude, the, you see, I'm like, it's sad, man. Sometimes it ends up really bad. Like it's. It sucks because it's, it's people really get easy so to get, obsessed, with, or not just obsessed. They get pressured into doing it. It's sometimes. really, it's really hard to get. It's really easy to get. Sorry, hard easy. It's really easy to get caught up in the party, like mm, dark side of yeah. of that thing. And I think a lot of these kids, they they didn't. It's not like they went and were like partying so much in high school and college. So by the time they got to like on tour, they were like, oh, I'm used to this. A lot of these kids are just 18 year old man. They're living in their parents' house. They write a big song and they're good bedroom producers and boom, next thing you know, they're blowing up and then this whole world opens up and they just don't know how to it's almost, deal with it. It's completely different too than, than being a producer. Like we were always, always talking about yeah. that. Like being a DJ, you're it's like... It's totally different, man. You're, you're, you're training. They're, they're almost don't even work with each other. Dude, you're training. Like at all. You're like, yeah, what, what a producer is yeah. in their bedroom and then all of a sudden you're like training to do one occupation but you're really doing something completely different. It's like you're training to be a lawyer now they throw you into being a doctor. 
Yeah. Like, so, what? <laughs> so I find personally, like having, like, like you guys said too, like having just that balanced schedule of all these different things in your life just really helps negate any of the bad things that can come with, you know, getting caught up with like the party side or the darker side of things. Yeah. It seems like, especially if you just don't drink every night, that's a huge thing. Like Dude, just yeah. make sure you're not drinking at every one of your shows and getting fucked yeah. up every night. <laughs> that seems like man. a that's lot a of night- people fall a, into that. That's a nightmare. Long term too, especially like short term. Sure. You might be able to get by. Dude, I saw Black Bear talking about, I don't know if you know who that is. That he's he's like, a rapper. Yeah. He's uh, like a rapper singer. Maybe uh, okay. he makes kind his own beats and guy. stuff. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. He kind of does a little bit of it all. Uh, but he's had some really bad medical problems because his drinking has I mean, I, I, I destroyed know plenty, his plenty of people like that. And his body. Like, getting caught up in the moment, I think man. somehow college, I got it out of my system in college. I went to college. I somehow was able to graduate. Don't ask how. I was like learning how to make music and promoting and DJing in college. Yeah. But I, I feel like I was like a pro partier after college. <laughs> so I got tour. I'm like, oh, this is easy, man. And all these, I, I, it's so funny, man. I'll go play a festival or something and there's some like, you know, younger DJ that's like 19, 20, like really excited to be on tour. He'd be like, I remember this um, one kid, uh, Carta. You know Carta? He's a Chinese DJ. He came up sure. to me one time and he's like, hey man, ever heard of a Jaeger bomb? <laughs> like, I was like, hey dude, how old were you in 2006? <laughs> he's like, nine. I was like, that's when I did my first Jaeger bomb. <laughs> Get out of my face. <laughs> No, I'm hilarious. just kidding. Shout out Cardi's. That's cool, dude. But uh, yeah, it's just funny, man. By the time I had gotten on tour, I was like, I'd, I kind of seen it all. So yeah. I knew how to, I knew how to navigate and I wasn't getting kind of stuck. That's kind of how shit. I feel too. I got all of that shit out of my system. Honestly, That's probably good, more man. in high school and stuff. Yeah, high school, high school, partying and stuff. I never go out anymore. Yeah. I just I can't sit imagine. Like, all day. I like my morning routine, you know, like waking up early, fucking yeah. going in. Well, that's we're getting old now, man. That's what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> how old are you? 32. 32. I'm 25. 26. Okay. So. It's all it's kind of the same. Yeah, that no, point. That's in this, that's after, in after same. you get after past the, those like early 20s, it's like, yeah, no. same shit. But um, uh, now cool, we yeah. should we should transition. Yeah. Well, let's talk okay. first of all, quick. yeah, giveaway. We should do plugs, plugs, yeah. and then yeah. all right. So yeah, you first off, you want to give a plug for anything you're working on coming up that you want the entire Timex audience to go check out. Yeah, I mean, pay attention um, to. I I have an EP coming out. It's called the Fong Island EP, and basically everything we just talked about, the lifestyle of just doing several different things. I had, I had this music that wasn't like, it wasn't like banging festival music and I just kind of put it together on an EP. And I was like, this is Fong Island. This is kind of my own little, little work of music that kind of represents more what I'm doing in life. It's more about like the travels and, you know, just driving to the beach, going surfing, whatever. There's like a reggae song on it I did with um, Rome from Sublime with Rome. Like sh- talking straight reggae, like, oh, that's no drop, awesome, man. <laughs> no drop. Yeah, that's cool. So like I, so I'm excited to just put this out, and that's basically what I'll be doing all summer is just putting out that. And yeah, I can't tell you how much more excited I am to even hear just after hearing all these stories of surfing. I know, because now know. I'm invested. But in you'll them. hear it, and it's just it's supposed to sound like the travel. So like my, so I, I spent like the first like, first half of my life traveling on surf trips to like Central America. So I've been in like Mexico, El Salvador. Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Panama, all these places. And I realized as being a surfer going to these countries, like I got really influenced by the music there, whether it was the Latin music, but there's a big, big, like if you go to Costa Rica now, there's a massive reggae dancehall scene in Costa Rica. Yeah. Massive. Mm. And uh, I guess I just didn't realize that I was really influenced by those sounds throughout the whole time. So this is kind of just like, I guess it just the music, if you listen to the music, you'd be like, this sounds like whatever I was listening to when I was traveling there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Dude, let me yeah. ask you one more question. How long have you had dreads? Because we both have dreads. We oh, had man. to bring it up. Because I know it's going to be some comments like, 
Uh, Yo, the double dread bros. Drew Cymatics interviews. Bro, how Drew many Cymatics. bugs do you have in your hair? Do you wash your hair? No, I'm just yeah, kidding. No, those, people those, always. There's gonna be the, those are the two questions. The thumbnail is gonna be like you two guys, and I'll be like a little referee. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, how long have you had your dreads for, dude? Okay, I remember I got them in 2008. Oh wow, that's a long time. 2008, 2009, and I remember I just had this like long curly hair, and I I, I didn't have this plan to just be like be like get dreads at all. And it just kind of happened one by one. I just remember one day, I just had this long curly hair that was always, you know, you have the long yeah. curly hair, it just gets knotted up. I don't know if you guys know, but no, anyways, I know. I know it was just happened. getting like knotted up. And then like, I had like one dread and then I had another dread and then I had three, then I had four. And I was like, fuck it, here it goes. That's funny. Yeah. I've always wanted to since I was like super, super young. I, I think I've had them for like four or five years now, but I had to, I had to take them out and redo them because I did them myself the first time. Okay, I remember like, you cut your hair and I was like, no, I didn't cut it. I just brushed them out. My oh, wife sat there and, br- it, dude, it took literally, that's possible. it took like three or four weeks. You had to do it so slowly, like from the end and go like one by, and you do lose some hair, but I, I was shit. able to maintain most of it. I mean, I, I was a little bit just, influenced by like the surf reggae culture because that was that. a big part of like the music and like where I was traveling and stuff was probably an influence and was like but that was more like okay let's just fucking do the it the ocean's whatever. good for your hair too I don't yeah know the salt water yeah like, the salt water yeah so that, that probably that's why yours looks so nice I gotta I gotta work I started going to a lady out here oh yeah so, oh, uh, I always see you getting West maintenance. LA dreads she's yeah. the shit dude. my wife did mine she's, oh. she has dreads too my did you wife do crochet oh like, uh, yeah yeah, and talk, and, yeah I'm just, I'm just uh, <laughs> I don't have any input on this so I'm just listening I'm like oh yeah, yeah I just had to bring it up because I know people are going to be fucking commenting on it my thing is everyone's like when are you going to cut it what are you going to keep it for it's like well it's like part of the brand now you know it's like if I, if I cut it I wouldn't be I know I'm going to feel weird if I cut mine I feel I really felt, I felt like not myself for a few months when I didn't have them it was I would weird. say doing surfing and jujitsu with these is the worst yeah, just doing physical stuff in general. I, I like skateboarding and stuff. I always like whip myself in the Like face. just sleeping sometimes. You, like, even you're sleeping, it just gets all like, you're just sleeping oh, on like this thing. Oh, yeah. I thought they were cool <laughs> for a second. Let's see, guys. Now no, we're no they're, they're a pain in the ass. So they're, they're worth it. My wife's like just got dreads again, and she's like realizing how Drew annoying it is. used to run an Instagram page called Dreadlock Paradise. Yeah. No. Yeah. Really? He would yeah. feature dread accounts. Dude, yeah. I'm pretty sure I posted some of your pictures before. Really? I'm sure I did, yeah. I'm sure Dude, I, I got some because No, it's probably not up anymore. I think my I think we converted it to a different page at one point. Dreadlock but, Paradise. It was popular. It was bumping no, it back was, in the day. I had like, like 50,000, 60,000. It was but one that, of There's days. a whole subculture of, oh, it's huge, man. of people in that world. You know what I'm saying? It's that huge. Like really it's especially the like really like earthy, like kind of hippie people all the time. I'm not really like that I was going to say Wook, but I was like, is that appropriate? No, <laughs> People are gonna be like, "You guys are wooks." All right. You guys are what's wooks. What's wooks? What's wooks? But uh, anyway, what's what? so what's wooks? What's I mean, a wook? Yeah, <laughs> it's like a, it's like the guys at the festivals that you see that are like, the mega, I don't want to be a dick like right now. At, like, they're at like base nectar, and they're just like you know the base nectar. They're cooking pretty much all base they're nectar. They're cooking fans. like grass fed burgers in their campground <laughs> for everyone, and then they're having like a drum circle. No, they, they're <laughs> most they're likely base nectar. They're most up, likely vegan, they're, actually. They're most likely they're vegan. Doing, yeah, yeah. They're probably not eating burgers at this point. Oh yeah, true. They're, they're probably vegan. They're vegan. Yeah. They're. Uh, oh, I guess you guys. I, I feel like I feel like people are gonna be mad at us now that we're roasting. No, no, I, I I love that. Well, uh, okay, you want to do the giveaway and the transition into okay, the, yes. The giveaway uh, is gonna be uh, five one hundred dollar Cymatics gift cards. Yep. All you have to do is Here you, go. you need the, you guys need to see this uh, thing called Wooks doing things. All right, I have to look at Instagram account. Things. Have you seen it? Yes, I've seen this. It's just Wooks oh stuff. So just look at it and you'll be like, oh, that's what. <laughs> A lot of the time, people relate it with white guys with dreads. 
That's a that's a very. There's another one, one called uh, it's called White Rasta Pasta. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. Um, but you guys, you guys probably know about this shit because I know because people. Well, I get I get tagged too. every. You, I get, how often you get tagged? Yeah, in this shit? Or people people like constantly say I look like Post Malone, especially which he doesn't even have dreads, but I guess because the braids and yeah. our faces. Hey, that's not the worst. Of, yeah, I comparison. Mean, well, he's kind of ugly, so no, I'm just kidding. I love Post Malone. Post Malone's yeah. awesome, dude. People, people call Drew Post Malone at like a festival or walking by. They'll be like Post Post Post. Yo, you just post. got some tats. Oh, dude, I'm, or, I'm doing a video soon where I get, I have like, I ordered these fake Post Malone face tats. Like, they're like, how to sound like Post Malone. Oh my God. How to sound like Post Malone. You should do it. It's going to go off, see, should, At least for Halloween this year. Uh, I'm, do I'm doing it for just an Instagram video. But do you remember when Bieber got dreads? Oh, yeah. Okay, I got to tell you a funny story about this. I've never told, I've never told this story before. Okay, so 2016, I, it may or may not be true. We'll find out, I guess. Actually, we're never going to know. But uh, 2016, I think, 2015, what, what year were the chain smokers like blowing up? Because I've been friends probably, with them for, yeah, since 2014 and I, probably, yeah. I just like lost track of their like thing because yeah. they like had such a crazy run with yeah. everything. Anyway, so I was 2016, they were playing in the Shrine, right? In uh, LA here. And apparently they're having a special guest come out. Everyone's like, oh, Bieber's coming out. Whatever. So I'm at the show just supporting them. And I think at that time they had just put out maybe Roses. Maybe mm -hmm. Roses. And then I think Bieber had just done the uh, Jack You thing. Mm -hmm. Where are you now? And uh, I remember sitting in the green room and there's all these, there's a, the craziest green room party, like massive amount of people in there. And I just was like sitting there with a couple friends and, you know, everyone's just drinking, hanging out and stuff. And then all of a sudden, like, I feel like a tap on the shoulder. I'm just like on my phone, I look up. It's a fucking Biebs. So like, <laughs> what's up? He's like, what's up, Justin? Nice to meet you. And he was the coolest, the coolest guy, man. He went around, introduced himself to everyone in the entire green room. And I was like, dude, Biebs is cool as, cool as fuck. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we go out and watch the show and stuff. And then we all go back in the green room after the show's done. And then the same thing, man. I'm just in the corner and like, I feel another tap on the shoulder. He's like, Biebs comes back up. He's like, what's up, man? He's like, you want to smoke this with me? <laughs> and dude, me and Biebs just sat in the corner and we just, we smoked this joint and we were just chilling. Do you he, think it's because of your dreads? And I, I, I swear do. to God, two weeks later, Two weeks later, I see the headlines, and he—that's when he had his. Oh, so that's like, so funny, man! There's, is it? it, it was it uh, you? Did was I influence you? pop culture? May, maybe. May so. or may not. No, <laughs> probably did happen. No, but people do come up to me always. Isn't that funny though? Do you have weed? Do you have weed? Every festival I go to. Yeah. And I usually do, but I say no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had probably just assumed that I was like a pothead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people assume that's, that's a hilarious all the time. story, yeah. man. But he—but I gotta say, dude, he's—he's a—he was a really nice dude. That's and he awesome. He just was like, we were just—we kicked it, we smoked, and then that was it. Most people are successful are usually like pretty good people you gotta yeah, you gotta be a nice guy at a certain point or yeah i feel like not, if you're not if you're like a dickhead you get weeded out pretty yeah because yeah, people spread quick. that shit around like i tell everybody if somebody's an asshole i'll tell fucking everyone yeah if, if they're a dick to me so um i haven't had too many bad experiences there's not somehow. a lot but when it does it sticks out in your head so bad i, 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 can, I can tell about. you i'm not gonna no, say it on here but you can i, you can I, I remember the, the time that the a couple guy, of you guys were assholes talking about but um, anyways, you wanna, anyway, okay, yeah. so $500 gift card, say a timestamp. $500 gift five, card. $500 gift card, say a timestamp of your favorite section of this podcast in the comments. Yeah. Just say what part, you, why you liked it, and then timestamp. Timestamps help. You don't have to do it if you don't want to, but helps us. definitely help. And then um, also, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, Spotify, et cetera, you got to do it on the YouTube channel. Um, and now we're going to go into the, the audio, audio only, only segment. Ooh, let's go. So first of all. It's kind of like a lightning round. You don't have to like... 
go super okay. into it. You kind of just Easy. quick answers. Um, so what's your like top like three or four favorite plugins right now to use and maybe some that like not cool. everybody would. Once you couldn't go with that. Okay, so I kind of like hit like a, a new wave of my production and I like got this point where I was like, I wasn't using synths and I wasn't using sampler and I was using vocals and I was just using raw vocals for my drops. So if you go listen to like some of my, there's, I, I did a song called Pom Pom. I know exactly what you're talking about. I did a song on Pom Pom on Dim Mac. And I just gotten this cool thing of just chopping up like these dance hall vocals, but not putting them in samplers. And then I was just like, I wanted to figure out a cool way to process them. So then I started using this plugin called Little Alter Boy. It's just like a format shifter yeah. pitching thing. And yeah, I was just getting some cool sounds, just just throwing it on uh, like a minim minimally processed vocal and just kind of playing with the format shifter. And that kind of became the sound of my my shit the last like two years, I think. Mm -hmm. So that's probably been my one of my favorite plugins. Yeah, that's really cool. I yeah, actually saw it. You just posted one the other day that you made, right? With a little vocal drop like that. Oh, the house, the house there, one? There was something that you posted that had, it was a very... Oh, like, it was a, a dance hall song. It was like a vocal chop drop, though. Yeah, that, that's like. just like not using a sampler. Like kind of challenge it. Like I was like, dude, everyone's using the one-shot vocal synth thing. Yeah. Everyone's mm -hmm. using serum. I was like, I want to do something more organic away from that stuff that's not too many people are doing. Yeah, you know? I so think I just that like, stuff is so cool. So I literally drag the vocals and put the vocals straight on the channel Did, and then just chop the little pieces up and then process that and that's it. Dude, that's pretty much how I've been making every song forever. Dude, I love doing it. Dude, it comes out so good. Like you literally, yeah. you borderline can just randomly keep going until you just hit and then you take You'll eventually piece. hit something. Yeah, you'll you, keep Exactly, you just take enough. the pieces, you rearrange it. If you have a just, good vocal, that's like the starting point of So it. That's, that's part of it, man, is figuring out which parts to chop. And then after doing it so many times, like if, if you guys have been doing that, like you'll be like, okay, this is gonna work in the drop here. As, as, I also like how it creates like these fake vocals that people can kind of like, it's in a weird way sing to, but not sing to. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's almost uh, like they hear different and words. People, in their yeah, heads. people will be singing different shit at a show almost. Yeah, because it's just it. about the melody you're yeah. making, and they're trying to like kind of sing the melody, but it's saying some chopped up thing like. Like Hyper Paradise by Flume. You know that Flume no, remix? No, no, no. Oh, from I was going to say maybe some of the early Skrillex stuff. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. a good one too. Yeah. Type of shit. Oh, like uh, <laughs> Scary Monsters. Yeah. It's like, come here. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody has their own lyrics. Uh, okay, so the next, the, or the, I guess the final question is going to be what is it again? It's about. Well, I have I have two ones that I think will be really good okay. for this. We didn't one we didn't ask earlier that I think would okay. be good, which is um, what's one thing you're doing right now, like a strategy, uh, let's say you know something with uh, your music project, your branding, etc., that you think is absolutely killing it. It's like one of your best strategies, but you think not enough producers are capitalizing on. Fuck, I don't know, man. I'm trying to think. I would say. Within EDM or just in general? Sure, in general. Like you think it's like we have think, a lot of... I think I'm not trying to answer for you, but one thing you brought up so many times is just know, being man. yourself. Like you doing your personal brand, I feel like is the thing that's or separating you. The DMs one is pretty good yeah. too. I think uh, reaching out to vocalists yeah. is one thing that not a lot of people do. Like I think a lot of producers, like even the guys that are mega killing it, they're just relying on A&Rs and all these people to do it for them. But mm. it's like there's just something special about reaching out to an artist and them writing you back, and it's just artist to artist, natural collaboration. Dude, everybody we've been talking to today, or I guess it's only been Bonnie and Clyde, but everybody since we've been here, everybody's just a go-getter. Like, goes yeah. out, does their own shit. Like, you're, that's what you're saying. I think too. that's a common denominator along uh, amongst, like, some of the people that want to do people this. People wait for like, shit to happen. Dude, you can't wait, bro. You can't if you wait, wait yeah. you're going to fucking die. Like, you got to do stuff on your own. Even, like, I've, I've tried to, re like, had record labels help me get a vocalist and wait for this. It's just like, dude. Just go straight to the source yourself yeah, and dude. do it. And I feel like you could, I'll 
all the people I've worked with lately from, so I, I've kind of done it on, I had this like other kind of side of my music that I'm just working on just for, to please myself. And I've just been writing all this reggae, just like in the American reggae scene. So I've done a tracks with Pepper, I did one with Common Kings and uh, Rome from Sublime. And those three were all just reaching out, man. And it's just like, I just want to make music with guys that I, of stuff I like, and I hope- Do you have people reach out to you a lot and just ask to work with you? And Sometimes, yeah. Does, and Sometimes. Do you, do you respond to yeah. it a lot of the time? Yeah. Like, because I think the power too is also having like acapellas on deck. So like at any given time, I have like all these like, well, for me, it's just like either like reggae dance hall or Latin acapellas mm -hmm. just like laying around. Oh yeah. So I'll just go back and have all these acapellas and those will inspire all these new projects. So I think, having, starting with vocals is a really good way for, for ideas to come out. I think so many more people need to That's why I did, that's that why I love our out. acapella packs. So like doing. imagine if you're a producer and you reach, you, you email 50, 50 vocalists, you'd be like, hey, can I, let's work on some stuff. If you got any acapellas laying around, I can work with that too. And more than not, they'd be like, they have all these projects they haven't put out or they need another producer to finish. And they're like, here, here's, four old acapellas and do whatever you want with them. I mean, them. dude, sometimes they'll even just like let you remix their stuff or yeah. something. That's better than nothing. Yeah. Like get something going. Um, did you have one more question? Uh, yeah, this was just last season. What's the one piece of advice that you would give a newer producer that's just like a kind of success, like focus on this, you know, to make it? Like what's your one success tip for newer producers? Man, I don't know. There's no really like set formula to how to navigate things, but I think kind of what, just just to sum it all up what we've been talking about. It's just you really you really can't be scared to reach out to people and do things. You know, you just you could I know so many guys that make the best fucking music and they just sit it on their laptop and they just kinda sit there. <laughs> I know and a they're lot kinda of people like that. Too. They're they're like really brilliant musicians and they, they're just waiting for all this stuff to happen to them and they're not reaching out to people. So I think like the first step is obviously hone your craft as like, you know, musician or producer or whatever, and then I think it's up to you to do the second part, and you can't really wait around for other people. I love that's that. Sick. Boom, awesome. that's a great note to hit. Well, I okay. think we can end it right there. That was Sweet. an awesome episode.